0: Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. I'm devoting this special episode of Faith and Family to the topics of war and peace in light of the recent geopolitical crisis with Russia, the Ukraine, NATO, the U.S., and many other countries. Uh, This crisis could lead to some things that would affect our families in the most profound way. Now, right at the top, I'm going to have a disclaimer. I'm not any type of expert in international relations. I would classify myself as a skeptical neophyte. But let me explain why I'm doing this. Uh, I had a personal encounter with Russia in a way. Uh, Back in 1970, I was stationed on a ship that had a shakedown cruise, and we were stationed from September to November in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Wasn't a whole lot to do down there on your weekends when we weren't involved in our training exercises and having a hobby of sailing. There were little 14-foot sunfish available to rent, and so one afternoon— It's absolutely beautiful down there, by the way. One afternoon, I took a sunfish out by myself. I was the only one in the whole section of Guantanamo Bay. The ships were back at the dock, not a whole lot going on. So here I was sailing, and I went out uh, two-thirds across the bay, and I noticed there was a marker unusually painted red, the whole marker with a sign that said, Do not go any further, because if you do, you're basically entering, I don't know what it said, communist territory or Russian territory or what. So I was careful to kind of keep my distance, because when you're sailing, sometimes when the wind quits, the tide can take you places you don't want to go, and I didn't want to go to the communist side. So any case, out there sailing, peaceful, beautiful Caribbean afternoon, and lo and behold, In comes a large Russian freighter chugging in the bay and strapped to the deck of that freighter was an intercontinental ballistic missile. And you could tell exactly what it was. It was so big it couldn't fit below deck and it was simply covered with a vinyl cover but you could tell exactly what it was. I couldn't believe my eyes. And so as soon as I got done Sailing, I went back to the ship and I had some friends that worked up in the command center and up in the bridge. And I said, you are never going to guess what I just saw. And they said, what? I said, I just saw a Russian missile strapped to the deck of a of the freighter who just came in the bay. Now, again, this was 1970. The Cuban Missile Crisis was in 1962. We were told by our press and the world media and the movies made of the missile crisis that this all ended in 62. Well, my friend said, well, that's easy to explain. There's Russian nuclear submarines right over there. Here's a pair of binoculars, look. And I mean, you don't need to be a top secret CIA spy or anything, you just get a pair of binoculars, you look over there. And there were Russian nuclear subs. What had happened after the missile crisis is that the whole thing was the Russians were putting in missile silos in Cuba, and they ended up taking dismantling those. But they just moved the whole process of targeting the United States with atomic weapons to the docks. And I was just floored. I said, how come we haven't heard about this? So I went over to the exchange and bought a Time magazine It had an article about things going on in Cuba and what the Russians were doing and everything. And the CIA said uh, that there may be some tentative plans that Russia might be in some point in the future thinking about installing missiles via submarines in Cuba. Well, that was a lie because those missiles were there. I saw it with my own eyes, and it wasn't any mysteries to others on my ship. So that's why I'm a skeptical neophyte when it comes to international relations. But I will say, I'm probably one of the few people you hear in the media today who's actually seen an offensive Russian missile. I'm not talking about in a parade, but an offensive Russian missile actively targeting the United States of America. And I got a dose of reality, and would you believe it? Ever since then, I've paid attention to these things, and I've been concerned about these things. So being a skeptical neophyte on international relations, uh, I got a dose of reality uh, regarding... Russia offenses in Cuba, and who knows if those missiles are still there or not. We don't know. And also, I got a dose of the media because my Time magazine didn't report one of the most significant events happening in the Western Hemisphere of the United States in the early 1970s. They lied. Our media lied. Sorry. So I am a skeptical neophyte. On international relations. Now, here's something we are not hearing in the news, hardly at all, and it's something we should be hearing about the NATO expansion that the United States has participated in and how that NATO expansion creates a reaction in Russia. There is a man by the name of George Keenan. He passed away in 2005. But he was clearly recognized in the United States as the expert on all things pertaining to the Soviet Union and then later Russia. And after the U.S. Senate approved a NATO expansion way back in 1998, this is what he said, and I quote, I think it is the beginning of a new Cold War I think the Russians will gradually react quite adversely, and it will affect their policies. I think it's a tragic mistake. There was no reason for this whatsoever. No one was threatening anybody else. This expansion would make the founding fathers of this country turn over in their graves. Of course, there is going to be a bad reaction from Russia, unquote. This is from Jack Matlock. He was the United States final ambassador to the USSR before it broke up, and he recently wrote this. Back in 1997, when the question of adding more members to NATO, I was asked to testify before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. In my introductory remarks, I made the following statement. I consider the administration's recommendation to take new members into NATO at this time misguided. If it should be approved by the United States Senate, and it was, it may well go down in history as the most profound strategic blunder made since the end of the Cold War." far from improving the security of the United States and its allies and the nations that wish to enter the alliance, it could well encourage a chain of events that could produce the most serious security threat to this nation since the Soviet Union collapsed. And, Back in 2015, there was a lecture given by Dr. John Mersheimer, who is the distinguished professor of political science and international relations at the University of Chicago. He's been described as the most influential realist of his generation. Not a bad description of a guy. His lecture, The Causes and Consequences of the Ukraine Crisis, has gained over 11 million views on YouTube, and I suggest you watch it. John Mersheimer, M-E-A-R-S-H-E-I-M-E-R, and his lecture, The Causes and Consequences of the Ukraine Crisis. Now, if you've been watching the news the past week or so, like I have, What's talked about? Nonstop economic sanctions. <laughs> right off the bat, Dr. Mersheimer says these will not be effective in the situation with Russia and the expansion of NATO. Why? Because the United States looks at things through economic interest. That's just the way we are. The almighty dollar kind of rules in America. He said in Russia, strategic interest rule over economic interest. Their concern for their safety, their defensive safety, far outweighs economic punishments and penalties. And it's like we're threatening them with things that are secondary, not primary. Then he says it's very, very, very dangerous in international relations if you don't recognize what other people think. If you're incapable of putting yourself in their shoes, you're gonna get yourself in a heck of a lot of trouble. That's what he said. And because we don't understand what they think and then their reactions doesn't seem to make sense to us because of that, he says, then what's gonna happen is you're gonna call the leaders crazy. And in the last three days, I've seen that. Putin's sanity question. He is acting upon very well-known principles, and the talking heads in the media, liberal and conservative, Fox and CNN, don't seem to have a clue about this. Okay? And finally, he mentions, Russia is a nuclear power, and if its leaders believe that its survival is at stake, the threat of nuclear war looms. Now Russia has, according to public count, 4,477 nuclear weapons combined with multiple forms of very sophisticated delivery systems. And just this past Sunday, Putin has put his nuclear forces on alert status. This is very serious stuff. And in addition, he has said this. And one of the things that Pat Buchanan mentioned about Putin, listen to him because he states what he says and does what he says. And this is Putin's warning. To anyone who would consider interfering from the outside, if you do, you will face consequences greater than any you have faced in history well, it doesn't take a genius to figure out what he is talking about. It's nuclear war. And talking about something that would impact practically every family on earth, every family definitely in the United States, this would be it. Just, I believe it was the past week, a Russian news anchor broadcasting across all 11 time zones in Russia, he predicted that the West would be blown to smithereens if it Continued to threaten Moscow, and he mentioned that Russia has a submarine fleet with over 500 nuclear warheads. So it takes 30 minutes for the missile to, I guess, they get shot over the pole coming into the United States, or you can get them less than 10 minutes shot from one of their atomic missiles. Now, we view this in the United States as a crazy notion. This would never happen. Again, we're thinking from our perspective and not willing to listen to people of another perspective. And I'm a a skeptic. I believe there's problems on both sides. I believe there's distortions on liberal and conservative media on this, but we don't want to go to a world nuclear war. There's a book that's been in print for actually quite a few years. The title kind of caught my interest. Uh, when it was first published. It's Origins of the Fourth World War by J.R. Nyquist. And I don't know if the World War III would be in the Cold War. The Fourth World War is actually the shooting war with nuclear weapons. And uh, he quotes a Soviet military text. And I would assume, even though the Soviet Union is gone, I'm very aware of that, uh, Russia can still have a similar outlook towards its war strategies and he says a third world war will be a missile and nuclear war this is out of a soviet military text the massive use massive use of nuclear weapons will make the war destructive and devastating entire states will be wiped off the earth another soviet military strategist by the name of, I hope I don't butcher this, Sidorenko. He said that the best strategy is to initiate the largest strikes at the outset of the world. Um, In other words, uh, there's not going to be uh, a very limited use of no nuclear weapons. and Everybody goes, oh, oh, we made a mistake, back off. No, it's the ax theory. You cut off and eliminate your enemy in the first strike because the one who first uses nuclear weapons with surprise can predetermine the outcome of the battle in his favor. Now, you might ask yourself, why in the world would the Russians as well as the former USSR, be so ruthless and harsh about using nuclear weapons. I mean, why would a broadcaster this week across Russia's 11 time zones talking about blowing to smithereens uh, the West and the NATO countries? I mean, to us, this seems like something out of a movie or something. Nobody who's rational could think like this. And so we blame the Russians. And by the way, I am not playing the blame game. I'm a a very skeptical neophyte on international relations, but I see plenty of blame to go around. So again, I come back to that question. Why would the Russians be so ruthless? Why would they be, what appears to me as an American, so trigger happy about using nuclear weapons and even coming up with military strategies that you just basically wipe your enemy off the map, literally using overwhelming force of nuclear weapons. Well, here's something you didn't read about in school and here's something you're not gonna hear about on CNN or Fox News. But did you know that in September 1945, just about one month after Hiroshima and Nagasaki were blown to smithereens, the Pentagon made plans to wipe the Soviet Union off the map. Literally, you're saying no. Something like this is, this is a war crime. This is demonic. Our Pentagon had plans to use 204 atomic bombs against the 66 major cities in the Soviet Union. And the nuclear attack would come and basically commit genocide uh, against the Soviet Union. And these plans were drawn up while the Soviet Union was our ally in World War II. and. Just for instance, um, they planned six atomic bombs for Moscow. Now, all these have been classified, but guess what? (laughs) They're no longer classified. This morning, I read these plans. And you might say, what in the world? We have always been told why did we develop all of our Cold War strategies was because the Russians developed the bomb. Well, they developed the bomb after they learned what we were gonna do to bomb them with the bombs. These are things where you need to be very cautious. You're not rah-rahed into a position of escalating international situations so that we end up finding ourselves in an unimaginable global war. And right now, there are very strident statements being made about Putin and Russia uh, they're de- degrading, uh, demonizing, dehumanizing an enemy. And do you know these are one of the first steps taken by a nation that wants to lead its country into war? Uh, you know, we're told in the, in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called the children of God. And I'm not saying don't have an incredibly strong national defense, but I think, do think, no pun intended, we need to look at both sides of the fence. Why are the Russians saying what they're saying and doing what they're doing? What did the United States do that may have led to this? And perhaps rather than just simply saying, yeah, let's keep going with the pressure and see what happens, we need to be very cautious that we are not being baited into a nuclear war. Now, let's just say this is a very hypothetical situation that's not really just hypothetical. Back in April of 2021, the World Economic Forum warned of a systematic collapse of our financial system due to cyber attacks. First of all, what's the World Economic Forum? That's a club of globalist billionaires that have designs to basically rule the world for our good so that we can be happy the way they've arranged things. And they plan to rearrange things like nations having sovereignty, uh, the way we grow food, what food we can eat, what food we can buy. Uh, the way our money is distributed, basically our educational system, almost every avenue of life. And the World Economic Forum and their billionaire controllers, people like Bill Gates, uh, Bezos, uh, leaders of countries have all gone through their school on these plans for implementing this. Well, they felt the coronavirus plague created a crisis significant enough that the world would be ready to convert to their dreams for a globalist system, okay? Now, that didn't quite work out with the coronavirus, although it did have a a global impact, but recently then Klaus Schwab, who is the kind of German accent guy for the World Economic Forum, boldly announced, boldly announced without a hesitation in his voice saying that there's going to be a much greater crisis in the future that will make the coronavirus crisis seem like child's play in contrast. Now, I don't know if you remember from the coronavirus, but before that even started, there was a seminar with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, John Hopkins, and World Economic Forum called Event 201. And they simulated a virus creating a plague around the country. And it was just a few months before the coronavirus plague broke out. And the response to the coronavirus was exactly what was predicted in those five episodes. And they're online. You can Google it, Event 201. Well, how does Klaus Schwab know our entire, our entire financial system is facing a systematic collapse due to cyber attacks. How does he know that? How does he know the intensity of it, the size of it, and that it will soon come and the effect of it? How does he know those things? Interestingly, within the past three weeks, NBC, MSNBC, The Wall Street Journal, a number of other media outlets, and just this past Sunday, a 60 minute segment was all given to warning of catastrophic cyber attacks to our banks and financial system, along with our electrical grid. And through all of these, there is this minor hint that all of these cyber attacks will be coming from Russia. Now, how do we know they'll come from Russia? You can do this in the basement of some house in uh, South America. How do we know it's the Russians? How can we prove it's the Russians? How can we confirm that Russia is really behind it? How do we know that these are even gonna happen even though the media across the board is warning of this? We're not paying a whole lot of attention to this. And then, again, this is all hypothetical, But it's not hypothetical. In 2021, Biden met with 30 world leaders to discuss NATO's Article 5 Mutual Self-Defense Clause. And you've probably heard about Article 5 of NATO in the press the last couple of weeks, quite a bit. And Article 5 of the NATO document states that an attack upon one country is attack upon another. For instance, if Russia would go into Poland, U.S. is obliged to go in and defend Poland as an attack upon the United States. Well, what this meeting in 2021 said, that if there was a, quote, impact of significant malicious cumulative cyber attacks might, in certain circumstances, be considered as amounting to an armed attack. In other words, Article 5. Do you realize what's going on? The leader of the world's billionaire boys club and women's club is stating we're going to have a world crisis greater than the coronavirus crisis. It's going to be catastrophic and devastating to our financial system. It'll be corrupted. We'll be without power and, hint, hint, we think it's, it's, it's going to come from Russia, Russia, Russia. Okay. Well, I'm not saying Russia's not doing good. I've told you some of the bad things they're doing. That's the, got me on this road. Okay. But at the same token, are we being baited to go and exercise Article 5 of NATO following a cyber attack from who knows who? but I would like to read this from the book of Revelation chapter 5 and verse 4. And then there came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that men should slay one another, and he was given a great sword. I'm Steve Wood, your host of Faith and Family Radio.